0: You know, just read it, black and white. I'm trusting it. I'm good. Okay? And I've seen that video and that guy, I can trust him, even though I'm going to go home tonight and open up the refrigerator and it could be flashing, okay? But the Bible, and tonight we're going to look in Psalm 22. This is going to be one of those messages where Brother Rick is going to try to run through Something I want to share with you that you already kind of know, but maybe you don't know the totality of it. Anybody like to guess how many prophecies were fulfilled from the time Jesus was put on the cross or getting ready to get put on the cross? Not all the trial and stuff from the time there until he, he died. How many prophecies? How many would y'all guess? Throw me a number out there. How many would y'all say five is probably a pretty good number? Are we, Brother Paul's saying higher. Okay, what about seven? Higher, eight? Way higher. I don't know about way higher nine. What about all of them? them? Well, (laughs) specific prophecies. Now, again, I'll share with you right at the end. Specific prophecies that we can pinpoint where it's been prophesied or as we would say it's been predicted in the past what will happen in the future. But biblically we call that prophecy. And in Psalm 22 which is one of the greatest examples of the messianic crucifixion psalms and if you really want to read a psalm every day to get you give an idea of what jesus went through this is one right here and if you found psalm 22 I, I don't want you to stand up i'm gonna read the whole thing so i need to get me a reader somebody that's got a real you know radio type voice but anyway follow along with me and you'll spot some of these and not all of them are in psalm 22 okay my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Why art thou so far from helping me? And from the words of my roaring, O oh my God, I cry in the daytime, but thou hearest not. And in the night season I am not silent, but thou art holy, O oh, thou that inhabitest the praises of Israel. Our Father trusteth in thee, and they trusteth, and thou didst deliver them, and they cried unto thee, and were delivered and they trusted in thee and were not confounded. But I am a worm and no man reproach, no man, a reproach of men and despised of the people. All they that see me laugh me to scorn and they shoot out the lip. They shake the head saying, he trusted in on the Lord that he would deliver him. Let him deliver him, seeing he delighteth in him. But, Thou art he that took me out of the womb. Thou didst make me hope when I was upon my mother's breast. I was cast upon thee from the womb. Thou art my God from my mother's belly. Be not far from me for trouble is near for there is none to help. Many bulls have compassed me. Strong bulls of Bashan have beset me round. They gape on me. With their mouths as a ravening and roaring lion, I'm poured out like water, and all my bones are out of joint. My heart is like wax; it is melt, melted in the midst of my bowels. My strength is dried up like a potsherd, and my tongue cleaveth to my jaws. And thou has brought me into the dust of the death, dust of death. The dogs have compassed me; the assembly of the wicked have enclosed me. They have pierced my hands and my feet. I may tell all my bones, and they look and stare upon me. They part my garments among them and cast lots upon my vesture. But be not thou far from me, O Lord. My, old, my strength, haste thee to help me. Deliver my soul from the sword, my darling from the power of the dog. Save me from the lion's mouth, for thou hast heard me from the horns of the unicorns. I will declare my name unto my brethren. In the midst of the congregation I will praise thee, ye that fear the Lord praise him, all ye the seed of Jacob glorify him and fear him, all ye the seed of Israel, for he hath not despised nor abhorred the affliction of the afflicted, neither hath he hid his face from him, but when he cried unto him, he heard my praise shall be of thee in the great congregation, I will pay my vows before them that fear him, the meek shall eat and be satisfied, they shall praise the Lord that seek him, your heart shall live forever, all the ends of the world shall remember and turn unto the Lord, and all the kindreds of the nations shall worship before thee, for the kingdom is the Lord's, and he is the governor among nations, all they that be fat upon the earth shall eat and worship, all they that Go down to the dust, shall bow before him, and none shall keep alive his own soul. A seed shall serve him. It shall be accounted to the Lord for a generation. They shall come and shall declare the righteousness unto a people that thou shalt be born, that he hath done this. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for this day. I thank you, Lord, for your word. Lord, I pray that you'll just be with us through the next few minutes, Lord, and as we speak about the prophecies of the crucifixion. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now again, I've already kind of prefaced my, my message tonight. I just want to kind of move through this. Some of these, again, you recognize. And... been a lot of people in the past that have predicted things. There's been people predict things about the Bible. You know, what, when the Lord's going to come. Well, it's a guarantee if somebody says when Jesus Christ is coming, you can just go ahead and scratch them off. They're wrong. They are wrong. Now, if they pick every day, eventually they'll be right. You know, well, it didn't come today, it are coming tomorrow. That's a little bit different. But if somebody puts a date out there, you can just go ahead and say, that's not the day that the Lord's coming. But God in his word, we have, and I've counted 11 prophecies that happened or were fulfilled during the crucifixion. And I'm going to, as quickly as I can, try to, well, we lost it. But anyway, I'm going to try to share with you the best I can the way that this comes out. The first one is, he suffered vicariously. We talked last week about the suffering we talked about this morning. So I wouldn't have to go and show you any verses in the New Testament this evening, would I? About how he was scourged, how he was beaten. And on the cross in Mark chapter 15, can't remember the verse, it says that they spat on him and it covered his face. Didn't just have a little spot or two, it covered his face. And the definition of that means, but in, in chapter one of, or chapter 1 of Philippians, verse 10, we looked at Wednesday about the power of the resurrection. We looked at that again Sunday night last week. But we got to get through this. When I say this, the crucifixion, and, and, and of course it's in the past. But seven or 800 years before, okay? Now, I know what happened about a week or two ago. Uh, when, uh, let's see, Kansas won the national championship, right? They hadn't even, the hoop hadn't even really fell through, and the buzzer went, ah, till who, and what were they starting to predict already? Who's going to win next year, Brother Lee? And guess what? One of the most disappointing teams of the tournament, Kentucky, Oh, they got them up there, man. I don't know who we have at ESPN or whoever, but every year we get poked out there so that we can get our little egos chopped off, okay? But 800 years before in Isaiah 53, which is not very far from where we're at in Psalm, and you don't have to go to all these places. I got some of them written down. In verse number... For it says, surely he hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgression. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And with his stripes we are healed. And all we, like sheep, have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way. And the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. In verse 12... Therefore I will divide him a portion with the great, and he shall divide the spoil with the strong, because he hath poured his soul unto death, and he was numbered with the transgressors. And he bare the, bare the sin of many and made intercession for the transgressors. There's two right there, Miss Lisa, prophecies that were written seven or 800 years before and even one of the other ones that said it pleased the Lord to bruise him. But in verse 12, it tells us that he would be crucified amongst sinners. There was one on the left and one on the right. Correct? When he was, that, And that's number two for us tonight. Number three, his hands and his feet were pierced. We talked about three or four weeks ago about Thomas. What did Thomas want to see? You wants to see those scars on those hands. He wants to see those hearts. you he wants to see that side. So that we don't even have to find a scripture to, to tell us that. I mean we can find them and they were going to break his legs. We read that this morning Brother Lee but they didn't break his leg but a soldier took a spear and they pierced him right? And out come blood and water. That's number three. Number four is they stared upon him and we just read that here in this Psalm 22. They looked upon look upon him whom they had pierced. He said, Rick, why do you, that's four already, right? I'll lose track here in a minute and lose count. But doesn't that give you confidence reading the Bible? There's no other book, folks, that you can read that has more accurate information in the Bible. And then when we talk about something so serious as, as the crucifixion, and again, I'm saying this because God's foreknowledge doesn't change man's free will. God knew that there was going to be a man named Judas Iscariot that was going to betray his son. But that didn't forfeit Judas' free will. We looked at that a couple of Wednesdays ago. He chose by his own choice because of those fleshly desires And God didn't even present them to him. It was the devil that deceived him. Remember, we talked about Eve being deceived. But here we have, in the midst of this, we have his hands and his feet. And and that's in verse 16. The dogs have compassed me, the assembly of the wicked have enclosed me, they have pierced my hands and my feet. And again, the fourth one, or the fifth one, is he was mocked and insulted. Look at verse six of Psalm 22. That's why I wanted to read this. It says, I am a worm and no man a reproach of men, and despised the people. They walked and wagged their heads, and said, You thought said you were God, you come on down. And little did they even take into consideration that God's word, his inspired word that they already had. Now we didn't have the New Testament. That they already had, it already told them that this Messiah. And we, see, these are these are prophecies already counted in in Daniel nine, chapter or verse twenty five through twenty seven. It says that the Messiah will be cut off; he'll be killed. And it gives us the day. And in Nehemiah, as I mentioned this morning, chapter two, verse one tells us the day that it, that the clock started ticking for that four hundred eighty three year or the four hundred ninety years and four hundred eighty three of them would be spent, and then. He would come through the triumphant gate. you got to put some verses together. But they knew exactly if they just studied. Instead of worrying about whether somebody was walking on the right hand side of the road. Not carrying so much stuff on a Sabbath day, Brother Harvey. They had those kind of rules. You know, don't pick up any sticks. And that was in the Old Testament. But they had started following it. By the letter of the law instead of the spirit of the law. Okay? So we got five there, are six. Go to John chapter 19. You can keep your finger there in twenty-two or Psalm 22. We'll be coming back there. I got to watch the clock because I could get caught. Going too long. Y'all would know a preacher wouldn't do that, right? Nine, 19, John 19, 28, 29, it says, After this, Jesus, knowing that all things were now accomplished, that the scripture might be fulfilled, I thirst. Now there was set a, a vessel full of vinegar, and they filled the sponge with vinegar and put it upon hyssop and put it to his mouth. And it says that when he had therefore received the vinegar. vinegar, And in Psalm 22, it gives us the scripture. And also in Psalm 69, verse 21, it says, They gave me gall for my meat and in my thirst. They gave me vinegar to drink. Here's Jesus hanging on the cross. And they thought he was thirsty. So they took what we would say just a sponge and dipped it in the water and put it up on a stick and held it to his mouth when he took it, he knew that all things were done. Simple, right? Simple. That's another scripture. They they give him water. Uh, they mocked him. We talked about that. Seven. What about praying for his enemies? You think that if you were on the cross, you could pray for your enemies? Look in Luke <coughs> 22. Luke 22. Verse number 34. You've heard this verse before. I have. And I've got the wrong script. 23, I'm sorry. 34, 23, 34. It says, then said Jesus, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Here he is nailed to a cross. And one of Jesus' concerns is, is, Father, please forgive them. Now, that didn't mean they got eternal life. Remember what he told he told Pilate. He said, he that hath, hath betrayed me hath done the greater sin. In other words, the Jewish people that had, had charged him, Brother Paul, were the ones that had the greater sin. But Pilate was guilty too. And you know what? We're all guilty. We are all guilty. And then when we get to something that we would hang our hat, if you will, to trust our salvation, that is the Word of God and the crucifixion of the Son of God, I want you to trust it. I want to trust it. When I sit down tomorrow and read somewhere else in the Scriptures, I want to have just as much faith in that as I do this. And because I have so much faith in this, I can have more faith and trust in whatever it is I read. It doesn't matter. It's it's not a coincidence that I've studied the book of John and taught the book of John three times and every time uh, just be a class schedule or whatever that it comes right up, Jason, right around Easter when I'm studying those particular scriptures. He said, well, Rick, you could have worked that out. No, I'd never even, I'm not smart enough to think that far in advance. Trust me, I, I'm not. So another one, he prays for his enemies it says in Psalm 109, verse 4, for my, love, for my love, they are my adversaries, but I give myself unto prayer. We know it's his nature, but it was prophesied. And the different psalm, you can read that, and also we talked about the pierced, his side being pierced, Zechariah verse, chapter 12, verse 10, and I will pour upon the house of David, and upon the inhabitants of Jerusalem, the spirit of grace and the supplication, and they shall look upon me whom they have pierced and they have mourned for him and one that mourneth for, he, for his son only and shall be in bitterness for him as one that is in bitterness of for his firstborn. Soldiers cast lot. We read that this morning. His, his main robe was some type of special woven tree, uh, fabric so they didn't tear it in half they were probably dividing everything in fours. It's usually that little crew that crucified uh, their subjects by manners and customs. Usually it was a group of four. So there's four guys. After they crucified Jesus, sat down either behind or somewhere nearby. And they were sitting there going, all right, let's go for his shoes. Let's go for his And they may not have been rolling dice as we would know it, but that's what that's all about. They were were gambling for that. And again, we've seen that there in Psalm 22. They basically were gambling for Jesus' clothes. And that's found in Psalm 22, verse 18. They part my garments among them and cast lots upon my vesture. The scripture will be totally true. The King of kings, the Lord of lords come to this world He's going to leave with nothing of this world. You know what he said? He was not of this world. But yet he owns this whole world. I think it's just amazing. He's not going to take, they're not going to put anything in that tomb, Miss Irona. They're not going to take anything of Jesus' and put it in there. So here's his personal belongings. You don't hear any, you don't hear any of the disciples anywhere going, well, we saved his whatever. It didn't. wasn't needed. wasn't there to have anyway. And then what about the one where the bone being broken? We've seen that in John, where they broke the other two disciples' legs, but they come to Jesus, found out he was already dead, and they, and we read that right there in our scriptures. But also, also we can see that in the Passover land. Okay, now I'm not counting up the, no, the number of verses that are prophesied here, but it says in Exodus 12:46, in one house, and they're talking about the Passover lamb, okay? In one house shall it be eaten. What are they talking about? The Passover lamb that's put up for 14 days and then slayed blood on the four, four posts of their house, and thou shalt not carry forth aught." of the flesh abroad out of the house, neither shall ye break a bone thereof. I've butchered a lot of different things, and usually you have to cut or break a bone of something to cut it up. To get it the way people like it. You just don't you just don't debone something without breaking a bone or something. And and just like a chicken, you know, it's the thing that you know we always busted the 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 breast apart and left them whole. Today you won't find a whole breast hardly anywhere. We take a, a knife and poke right there in that soft part and split it, and it would put fit right on top. But we broke that bone. Have I missed any? What about Psalm 22, the verse, first verse? And I think it's one of the. More tragic ones. It says, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Jesus hanging on the cross said, Alama, Alama which means, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Why, why is that important? What does that mean? Anybody? Go ahead and say it out loud, Brother Paul. Couldn't look upon his own son. His son came here to take our sin and then in that darkest hour, God's like, and Jesus is like, my God, my that was probably the most saddest moment for that relationship between that father and son. But why was God able to look back on him later on? Because he was a sinless sacrifice, folks. Not because when he took that sin on, it didn't change his sin nature. It just showed what he was willing to do because he was, or able to do actually because he was a sinless sacrifice. There's been never been any other. Isaac that was offered there at Mount Moriah, not a sinless sacrifice. There's not another man, another person, another time, another way that there's ever, has been or ever will be. Also, a lot of these prophecies that we see, there are more. We can see the the sacrifices of Leviticus in chapter one, verse seven. Here's another one that I don't even have down as of the eleven. But Jesus was put on the cross. Anybody know at what time? He was put on the cross at 9 o'clock in the morning, the third hour. The first hour was 6 a.m. At at 9 a.m., Jesus was put on the cross. Why is that a significant time? If he fulfilled the law, why is that a significant time? In the temple at 9 a.m. every day, there was a sacrificed lamb brought to the altar and sacrificed. 9 a.m. You know what happened at the ninth hour? The evening sacrifice was brought. Sacrificed on the burnt offering. You know what happened at the ninth hour to Jesus? Jesus died at the ninth hour. You know what else happened at the ninth hour in the temple? That... That veil that covered between the holy place and the holy of holies was rent from top to bottom. Unrepairable. They said that thing was probably about six inches thick. Every year they put a layer on it. You know what's not been repaired or replaced since that day? That holy place, that mercy seat. See, when Jesus came, there's things that God allowed to happen That he told us about. And it's in here. I can show it to you in scripture. But I'm here to tell you that. Those things happened. That were prophesied to show. That the Messiah would fulfill all those things. It tells us in Ephesians 2.14. That he is. For he is our peace. Who hath made both one. And hath broken down the middle wall. of Partition between us. We could go on and on. What about the covenant that Daniel said that would be confirmed in chapter 9, verse 25 through 27? Where where do we see that written in the New Testament? That's in Hebrews chapter 9, verses 14 through 18. And I've read that to us before. That's where the the New Testament or the Testament is not enforced until the testator dies only until only at the moment that that sinless sacrifice Jesus died when his last breath was taken that new covenant the New testament was brought into force if he'd have lived on the cross we wouldn't have that covenant and that's what Daniel's talking about in chapter 9 verse 27 I think is where that says that and it says messiah will be cut off in the in the covenant will be uh, and I forget the wording but it will be confirmed i believe is the word my point is here tonight this book right here and i go through these uh, i call them pretty much elementary steps to show and to tell these verses that have been 7 800 years you know when psalm 22 was written or who wrote it you can probably look there in your heading who's it say wrote it david, david. you know when that was It's about 1100 or 1000 BC before Jesus was put on the cross. It's amazing, folks, this book that we have in our hands. The accuracy of the story that it tells. You know, it tells a story about the future that's to come. And I'm not even going to tell you that I fully understand that part, but I know it tells me enough. I need to get ready. Just like I said this morning, When we stand at the end of our life, if we get that opportunity, are we going to look at God and go, God, I remember when you spoke to me, I just pray that from that day to today, I pray I've earned the right to be a child of God and to be a witness for you. This Bible will give us everything we need. Let's, Let's all stand for prayer. We won't have an invitation. But I do want you to consider the trustworthiness of the Scripture, the trustworthiness of that Bible that you brought in your hands tonight. If you didn't bring a Bible, get one. Make it your own personal thing. You can trust it. Let's pray, Father. We do thank you, Lord, for your inspired Word. That there's no, there's no uh, errors. There's no contradictions. There's Men contradict how they understand it, but your word will always stand as the living, breathing, powerful word that we've talked about the last few weeks. And tonight, we see the word that we can trust. The word that predicted Christ's crucifixion, and it nailed it. And there were three nails that nailed us. Because Jesus said, I love you so much, I'll take all three of your nails. And that's how he forgives us. Lord, we just pray that we would put our faith in the Bible, read it, and allow it to speak to us. And each day to grow closer and more understanding of its purpose in our life. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.